0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply.
1: Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, USCFootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham.
2: Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to another edition of the Peristyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, joined alongside Connor Morissette, a.k.a. Triple Double. And we got to talk all about the USC Trojans 4-0 heading into the second Road game in a row this weekend going to Boulder, and Connor and I, along with Chris Trevino, will be there. So we're going to throw out the game that just happened, uh, USC defeats Arizona State 42-28. Kind of briefly talk about that, What's been, what we've been hearing from practice. We got to hear from Alex Grinch, defensive coordinator, Lincoln Riley, the head coach, and several defensive players heading into practice, which will be a little bit later on. This afternoon, and of course, the 9 a.m. big noon kickoff game for Colorado. You got the 7.30 p.m. game in Tempe, then a 9 a.m. game, which is almost like a short week, and and Lincoln-Riley actually mentioned that, and then another 7.30 game after that for uh, Arizona. If you're watching live on YouTube, thank you very much for doing that. Um, Please uh, like and subscribe over there. We are on the YouTube doing this live. Uh, If you're doing that, you can see Connor and I here. Connor noticed I got a haircut. <laughs> didn't notice didn't. yesterday, though. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> it's not like, you know, you're my significant other or anything, so that's good. <laughs> do you ever do that? Like, do your girlfriend get mad at you if you don't notice a haircut or something? Happens, I'm sure. All oh,
3: mine colors her hair, but it doesn't change, so I don't notice because it doesn't change the color, and then she gets mad when I don't notice, but it's very similar. It goes from, like black to black. So I don't really understand yeah. that sometimes.
2: Okay. So definitely been there. Uh, nice. All right. Well, thanks everyone for uh, joining us there. If you have questions or comments for the show, you can email us podcast at uscfootball.com. We've got a bunch of emails to get to. Uh, we also have a bunch of voicemails, uh, 424-254-9141. Leave us a voicemail or shoot us a text. I think we have a text to get through as well. And if you have the Apple podcasting app, you can follow us over there at the Parasol podcast and leave us a five-star rating and review, and we do have a couple of new reviews, Connor. Sweet. Uh, I think they're critical of you. I'm not sure. I'm just kidding. Oh, please. Hey, let's go. Now, <laughs> Smeeze Griffin, five star review from Smeez Griffin says, Fight on from New Jersey. Been a USC fan since I was about eight years old, even though I live in New Jersey. I love that this podcast keeps me connected and in the loop with any and everything going on around USC. Appreciate all the hard work you guys do. And I'm always looking forward to new content. And we, the Trojan family, Come to play in New Jersey. I'll be sure to be the loudest one in the stadium. Fight on with a little fight on emoji. All right. What a great. review. Thank you so much. Very cool. Uh, and then we also have AJK2020. Join the Trojan party with a fight on emoji. Uh, he says, I don't even listen to the podcasts on Apple Podcasts, but y'all make uh, always make my day with them. So I want to show my appreciation. I've been a USC fan my entire life. And you guys are hands down the best place to get my USC updates. I appreciate what you guys do. Fight on. Well, thanks for that. Not even an Apple Podcast listener and uh, went over to Apple Podcast to leave us a rating. So thank wow. you. Yeah, so kind. Thank you. Very, very, very cool. Uh, I just also want to thank, while well, we're thanking people, um, Trader Joe's for all the uh, many years of sponsorship of the Peristyle Podcast. Um, are you an air fryer guy, Connor? You, yes. You, yes, I am. Do you like using the air fryer?
3: Makes it a lot easier cooking a lot of different things. So yes,
2: it is cool. And I I got one of these ones that you kind of fold up, and that um, I love it. But I'm looking at new stoves, you know, new ranges, and a lot of them have air frying capabilities in the stove too. So I'm always looking for kind of things like what can I throw in the air fryer? And uh, I looked over TraderJoe's.com, and they have these root vegetable fries. So they're they're multicolored fries, different root vegetables. But you can go right into the air fryer with them, so seasoned and um, and you know already cut and ready to go. So I'm like, something like that is like very cool because man, you can knock those out quick. Like it doesn't take long to uh, prepare as far as like uh, preheat or anything. Something right from a bag into an air fryer. Like I've made fries before, which is cool, but you gotta like cut the potatoes, soak them in water. You know, there's there's a process. Like to be able to just kind of put. Right from the bag into the air fryer, so I definitely want to try these out. Root root vegetable fries. So go check them out over at Trader Joe's.
3: Sounds healthy. We make a lot of salmon in the air fryer. Little salmon bites. Those are delicious. Chicken for Yom Kippur the other night. My girlfriend's Jewish. We made latkes in there, so you oh. can really do anything.
2: Yeah, that's cool. And I, and, you know, a lot of cool stuff from the frozen section Trader yeah. Joe's. So you can uh, like pop on in there. All right, uh, I guess we have a little bit of. Um... <laughs> breaking news if you care about the ap poll with is the most important one USC did drop three spots um but i mean having four pac12 teams uh in the ap poll is pretty impressive and if you look at number 7 washington you know they had uh uh you know they've been looking really good on offense there you got usc oregon coming in at number 9 and utah at number 10 usc plays all those teams plus number 11 Notre Dame. so I mean, do the rankings matter that much. You're playing four teams that are around you. So, yes, like if you beat all those teams, you're going to go way up, you know, and there were some impressive wins ahead. You know, Ohio State gets a win at Notre Dame. Florida State has two big wins on their schedule, you know, winning at Clemson and LSU. Um, you know, Penn state's been looking good and stuff. So there's, you know, Texas has a win over Alabama, Georgia, and Michigan are at the top, even though they haven't beat anybody, but I don't think the rankings matter that much, but just knowing that all these teams in the PAC 12 and Notre Dame are ranked high, USC has an opportunity to beat all of those teams. And if they do, then you're going to be, you know, one of the top teams in the country for sure.
3: It's all ahead of the Trojans and no, they control their destiny. Like you said, Ryan, the schedule is really tough and we see it in the AP poll, but you know, I don't think they played particularly well against Arizona State. I get them dropping three spots. The strength of schedule, I think, is the easiest out of anyone in the top twenty-five. I believe I saw that on Twitter. So once USC gets going and plays some more difficult teams, Colorado this week, of course, is probably the toughest one they've had so far. Even though they just got beat pretty good by Oregon, USC they have the chance to sort things out. And if they do win all these games, you're right, they could even vault into maybe the top vault. Excuse me, into maybe the top two.
2: Yeah, uh, that's. The opportunity is there. So I uh, just haven't had to play anyone super tough yet. Um, also, want to let everyone know uh, we will do a little meetup in Boulder on Friday night if you're going to be around. We should be able to get there about 6 p.m. The Utah Oregon State game is on Friday night. So make sure you go check that out. But it's a bar called the Dark Horse all the feedback I got. So thanks to Adam Munster tiger for suggesting it. I called over there. We can't really reserve an area cause it's a really popular bar, but we'll try to get people there and uh, meet up, watch the uh, Oregon state Utah game and just uh, kind of uh, hang out and have a few beers, gra- grab some food and uh, talk USC football. Very informal. So make sure you go check it out. So blackie Chan says he's coming in from Minnesota. Hopefully you can make it over there to the dark horse. Um, it's supposed to be a really cool venue and stuff. So, uh, People that I've that are from there said, Yeah, you picked a good spot. So um yeah, we'll try to meet up over there and it should be it should be a lot of fun.
3: My first meetup. Looking forward to it.
2: Yes. Uh and it's good. It's just very informal. This isn't like you need a ticket, you just like go in there, order what you want to eat, drink. So we're just uh it's not like we have a room reserved or anything. We had a cool one in Tempe. Um unfortunately, Connor, I, I booked his flight for Saturday instead of Friday, but uh shotgun was there and Jack uh, Smith was there. And, uh, and Trevor Booth, who wrote for the site before, lives in Arizona, he came out. But we had a lot of people come out uh, in Tempe. That was boondocks in uh, Old Town Scottsdale. So that was a lot of fun. So try to do these. These meetups are kind of fun if you're just in from out of town or whatever and you just want to talk with other USC fans. Um, yeah, make sure you go check that out.
3: Looking forward to my first one. We had such a nice time in the off season, Ryan, doing a couple fan meetups before the year started. So uh, it's been really great so far and looking forward to it
2: yeah uh looking forward to it as well so check that out we want to talk i mean we're not going to like dive into the whole deep dive on what's going on with uh with usc and arizona state we are going to talk about some of the stuff that's going on but i think the general theme connor there was you know i when i when i posted this it was more about there's a lot of concern out there now we did a tunnel vision show actually did two make sure you check out uh brendan rice we did a tunnel vision show with him let me show you that touchdown that he had uh that that was pretty cool one of the touchdowns one of the two touchdowns leads the team in touchdowns right now he's sort of my x factor for this game having played at Colorado and you know leading the team in touchdowns I think that's uh you know that's an important aspect too um but you know looking at this team right now the sort of theme was should you be worried and when we did our show on Sunday by the way I wouldn't recommend being worried about you know something you can't really control but um you know, that's just me being a psychologist or whatever but when we talked on Sunday I think a lot of people felt we were being too there are people are really upset uh, after the game they're mad and they were just like everyone sucks and this team's gonna lose every game and we're sort of like look relax like it's gonna be fine and then uh, I did a show with Harvey Hyde and he was you know on Monday maybe a lot more critical of some and then a lot of people were like oh that's being too negative or whatever. So I think there's definitely fans on both sides of this aisle, Connor, that are about, uh, oh, doom and gloom. Everything sucks. They're never going to win another game to, you know, don't worry about it. They're 4-0. You know, you're, gonna, you're going to you go in on the road and all that kind of stuff. I kind of want to get your thoughts on this. You know, I've had a couple, I know you got to rewatch the game. Um, you know, thoughts on sort of like where, the state of where this USC team is and a- areas that you might have for, you know, concern.
3: Sure. A few interesting things. Like I said on Sunday, I'm not too concerned about the offense, a bunch of penalties, a lot by the offensive line. Caleb Williams, he had three turnover worthy plays according to Pro Football Focus, which is tied for his career high going back to his freshman year. So he made a few mistakes that were uncharacteristic with Lincoln Riley, with Caleb Williams, with all the experience on the offensive line, even though they don't have a lot of experience together, the receivers being so good. It's just going to work itself out. I'm not really that concerned about the offense. I think on the road in the future, they'll work on getting those plays in faster. They'll make adjustments. Lincoln Riley, we all know how good he is as an offensive coach. Not too worried about that. Defensively, after rewatching the game, a little bit more concern there. The only way ASU was going to beat USC was by scoring touchdowns and the Sun Devils score three. The one... That Drew Pine threw to Elijah Badger with C.A. Wright in single coverage. Nice play. Yeah, you probably want Wright to cover a little better there, but they beat you. That's fine. The two other touchdowns were really, really big mistakes and really concerning, especially last year when USC struggled so much defensively. The first one, Cam Scadaboo, third and 10 on the USC 15 after the Marshawn Lloyd-Caleb Williams bad exchange fumble. It's a third and 10, and Alex Grinch, he's known for being so aggressive. Kenny Dillingham knows he's aggressive. He brings... Pretty much everyone, even safety Kalen Bullock, gets sucked up a little bit. And what happens? Scadaboo bounces a run to the left outside the tackle and scores a 15-yard touchdown. I thought that play call was really, really bad because the only way, like I said, ASU can beat a team like USC with such a good offense is scoring touchdowns. And what do you do? Third and 15 or third and ten from the fifteen, you give up a touchdown, and then the one in the fourth quarter when Scadaboo broke those two tackles—that was obviously a really big mistake by Eric Gentry and Max Williams too. So it was shades of last season, where you question the coaching staff a little bit, you question the execution, and I think defensively you have to be a little bit concerned because it looked like last year.
2: Yeah, and I think um, what you can say though is that this there's things that this defense does well. Yeah, and you know they get after the quarterback well. I think a guy like Bear Alexander. I thought, you know, Kenny Dillingham did a really good job um, calling plays early, sort of taking advantage of the aggression that you knew the USC defensive front would, would bring. Um, I mean, getting, finishing with 14 tackles for loss, eight sacks, even though a lot of them were late. It's still, fourth quarter of the game was close. It's not like fourth quarter sacks don't count because the game was close. Those count as much as anything else. Um, But I would say, you know, they do some things really well and If you go to analogy, like when people say something like, oh, you know, whatever, the stars aligned and and sometimes just things happen. And I feel like this was sort of a stars aligned game. You could look at USC against Stanford, like everything aligned for USC in the first half. Right. They just go 14 to uh, 49 to three. Like everything sort of worked. Nothing didn't work. You just everything just it was like perfect. And when you saw Oregon play Colorado, they had the right motivation. There was like the stars kind of aligned. So just, they were going to get blitzkrieged and just blown away. And I feel like it didn't work to like ASU uh, winning the game, but a lot of stuff aligned where they were, you know, they ran the weird pooch punt thing that you punted and then nobody was there. And then USC puts somebody back and then they get the first down and, uh, you know, taking advantage of the aggression, sort of making Grinch back off a little bit. It just seemed like whatever you know, and Dillingham just threw everything at it. It still wasn't enough to win, but it made it a lot closer than people think. And to me, it felt like one of those sort of stars aligning games. And sometimes you make your it's it's almost like making your own luck. You know, like you could go to work if you're going to some office building, and uh, you know, say so you hit snooze a couple of times, and now you're a little bit late, and you're parking on a different floor. And, oh, I didn't get to my meeting on time. And you go like, well, it didn't work out for me today. Well, you also hit snooze twice. But you could be getting there a little bit early. And for some reason, there's like a conference and you had to park upstairs and the elevator wasn't working. So, I mean, there's things that aren't in your control. And sometimes it's a combination of both. And I feel like this is sort of like a combination of things. Like USC did some stuff that was sloppy. They weren't getting plays in on time. They were trying to change the play too much. But ASU, we came to play. Like it was a night and day. If you want to say this is the way ASU is, they might not look like that again for a while. Like Drew Pine is out now, but they look like absolute garbage uh, against Fresno State. But there's just, it's a different game. It's a different team. It's a different situation. So to me, it's kind of like I didn't want people to just be jumping off buildings because USC sucks and, and Arizona State, you know, they gave up 28 points and Fresno State didn't give up any. Um, so I, that was kind of the way it was. But I, I feel like it was kind of like this stars aligned sort of thing where just, you know, things and some of it was in USC's control that they screwed up. And then some stuff just Arizona State did way better than what they had done earlier in the year, if that makes sense.
3: Definitely. And a lot of the trick plays like that pooch punt throw, what a throw by Scadaboo, probably a play you'll never see again. A lot of the trick stuff didn't lead directly to points it. Kept the ball on the or kept ASU with the ball and extended drives and they kicked field goals. I believe there was maybe a trick player, two on the Sierra Wright uh, touchdown when he was in coverage. But the two touchdowns that I referenced earlier, that was just straight up one on one football. That was Scadaboo rushing for 15 on third and 10 and then Scadaboo breaking two tackles on a fourth and seven, I think, for a 53 yard touchdown. So two touchdowns. Nothing to do with trick plays on those two drives, and I think that's where the concern was. People kind of get up in arms like the USC defense was better than it looked because all those trick plays, other teams won't throw the kitchen sink at them, and that's true. Some of the trick plays you won't see in the future, and it's tough to defend those when you don't know they're coming. ASU executed really well. The kitchen sink was thrown at USC. That's all fair. But on the two touchdown drives I mentioned, that was just straight-up football, and USC didn't look very good.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, We have a bunch of comments uh, on YouTube about it. I want to address this one. Uh, so do you think Grinch's job is on the line? In fact, if the stars don't align and Colorado scores more than six points, we're not I don't think Lincoln Riley's firing any, you know, defensive coordinators changes aren't happening. Uh, but I do want to talk about sort of what, uh, he talked about yesterday when we were at practice and he used, you know, I like my food analogies. He was using a lot of different sports analogies. And I think listening to what he has to say, and, and Connor, I think you wrote about this too. Um, make sure you go check that out over at uscfootball.com, but it was when he's sort of describing what, you know, the, the baseball analogy where like you get a lot of strikeouts and, uh, you're not walking a lot of guys and, um, but then you look at your ERA and it's, it's high, you know? And I think that was sort of like a, it was kind of an interesting thought process of what he's thinking where. Hey, if you're forcing a lot of negative plays and you're getting after the quarterback and you're creating pressure, the end of the day though, it matters they they still score 28 points. And like you to your point, the only thing you can't do is give up touchdowns and they kept giving up touchdowns. It seems like this is a a team that creates a lot I think they're third in the country in like havoc plays or chaos plays, but they give up the big play. They give up that explosive play and it a lot of times it leads to opponent touchdowns and when I don't know what sort of metrics that like Alex Granch and, and Lincoln Riley and they, they use, but from what he said, it, to me, it sounded like I have like these metrics. Like if you're, you're, if I'm giving you a job, uh, um, review, you know, like, okay, Connor, you've been with us like three months and I have like a bunch of things to check off. Like, okay, so I want to make sure you get this many stories done and, and these are on time and this, you know, not a lot of typos or whatever it is. And I check all these things off and like somehow, The numbers are terrible, and like it looks like you did everything right, but like nobody's reading your stories, and it's that's the feeling I got when Alex was saying, "Like I have these metrics, and like we got after quarterback, we did this, we did this, this, and they still scored twenty eight points." And I think that's sort of where it was like, it was almost like him saying, "Like hey, I'm doing what I want to do." They still scored points. Does that does that make sense? And kind of a long description there.
3: I would need to go back and listen to the quote. I saw another reporter tweeted that clip and. Twitter was going crazy with it. They were all kind of laughing at Alex Grinch and they didn't really love that analogy. I get what you're saying, and that makes sense. I don't know. I I just I don't love crossing sports. So, you know, if 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 we can stick to football, I think that would be better. But I get it. Like they did the little things well and what? Maybe they gave up a couple homers and they gave up two runs and their ERA is a a little higher than you think after striking out eight or nine and going seven innings or whatever. I you know, I I don't know. I, I just I just think by and large, overall, the the grand scheme and things, why people are so frustrated after that game is because it goes back to what I said earlier. It just looked a little bit similar to last season when you missed all those tackles. I think you ranked number 120 in the country and missed tackles way down. Not what USC should be doing, a team with all that talent. You have more talent on defense this year. So, yeah, while your ERA might be a little higher and you're doing a lot of the things correctly, why don't you have a
2: low ERA and do more things correctly, I guess would be my response. No, I, I I agree with you there. It's uh, it's one of those things. Yeah, it's like oh well, that was a pass ball, and you was know, like okay, pass balls <laughs> happen, or that oh I got a balk and he went over, and then you know, then someone hits the three run homer. And you're like oh, so you know, you only give up one hit, but somehow they scored three runs. It's he, like, he, yeah. he
3: also was talking about basketball, and he said at some point you got to make the shot, like you got to make the tackle. He he compared tackling to making a basket, which yeah. I thought was interesting too. He he watched the video if you if you haven't seen it yet on YouTube, he was filled with similes and metaphors and, and sports comparisons. To his credit, it was pretty interesting. Sometimes you don't get a lot from Grinch in those press conference settings, but he had a lot to say yesterday.
2: He does. I mean, I, I give him credit. He talks. I mean, he'll tell you, like, what he's, what's on his mind and what they need to do better. And, um, you know, just because you tackle good one week doesn't mean you can rest on your laurels. You got to tackle again the next week. So I kind of feel like there's going to be a bounce back in this one. And, you know, with Colorado— You know, Shador Sanders is great. He gets sacked a lot. You know, he got sacked seven times last week with Oregon. To his credit, he's still in there. You know, USC sacks Drew Pine eight times and he's out. Um, It's one of those things where, you know, Colorado's not really good at running the ball. USC was having a hard time kind of stopping the run sometimes. Um, If they give up a bunch of rushing yards to Colorado, that's probably a bad sign. But, you know, what Colorado does well, you know, they'll probably make some big plays in the passing game. But USC is going to force probably a bunch of negative plays. And so I I feel like this is going to be a pretty good bounce back. I think both teams are going to bounce back. Like Colorado's not as bad as we saw at Oregon. They're going to have a huge crowd, 9 a.m. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen with that. And USC, I think, is going to play better than what they did too. But USC is just a lot more talented. Uh, I think they're going to have advantages on both lines. So I wouldn't compare it like, oh, USC didn't beat Colorado as bad as Oregon did. Well, Oregon was home. Like like I said, like they're sort of stars aligned against – Colorado in that one I mean some of the pregame talk you, you Oregon put out a video afterwards and some of the pregame mess that some of the players were talking including Shiloh uh, Sanders you know Dion one of Dion's sons I mean there was some stuff there were definitely you know Dan Lanning was motivated or Landanning like this like to call him on the podcast of champions but um Danning was motivated and that team was motivated and so we saw last week like a USC team that didn't seem all that motivated. Um I'm curious if there was any sort of look ahead to this game. I feel like they're going to be motivated knowing how, you know, they played kind of poorly. Caleb Williams had a bad game even though he's kind of for five touchdowns. And I feel like they're going to play a lot better. And I think when if USC plays a lot better and Colorado plays a lot better, it's probably going to help USC not not as much Colorado. The
3: one area I'm looking at in USC, Colorado, is the touchdowns when you're on defense. How many touchdowns are you giving up defensively? Because like I said, the only way some of these teams who aren't as talented as you can beat you is by scoring touchdowns because your offense is so good. We know is going to put up a bunch of points. Against Arizona State, the offense, Lincoln Riley said, I was about as disappointed as you can be in an offense that averaged nine yards per play. He wasn't happy, and USC still put up 42 points. So... The only way teams can beat you is if they're scoring with you because we know USC is going to score a lot. And then against San Jose State in the first game, USC gives up four touchdowns. Against Arizona State, it's three touchdowns. Can you get off the field? I don't care how you do it. If it's a turnover, if it's a fourth down stop, if you you make a team punt, can you hold teams to three points? Can you hold opponents to no touchdowns and and just limit their opportunities? If if, if Colorado scores three touchdowns, I, I think USC will not only win, but they'll cover the spread. So that's sort of what I'm looking at. Can you limit the opposing team a a strong offense a a good offense in Colorado even though they're without their top receiver and Travis Hunter can you limit them to not score as many touchdowns as you've let up the the past couple games I mean three against Arizona State if you allow three again against Colorado I think that's going to be okay because Colorado's defense is worse so just limiting the explosive plays that lead to touchdowns limiting the touchdowns in general is my big concern
2: yeah I just showed if you're watching on YouTube the Kalen Bullock uh, interception was really nice you know there's there's uh there's some high-level plays. This is It's almost like I'm—I'm uh, I'm, my golf game, I'm better as a scramble player, you know, because I can hit the really good drive and, like, I can hit, you know, stick something on the green, but then I can also shank one sideways. So if you're playing your own ball the whole time, it's like, okay, I'm not going to – there's going to be some blow-up holes and stuff. But if you're playing on a scramble team – you just kind of get these high you know high level plays. I don't not every if I screw up there's other someone else to kind of fix this. Like you don't really have that luxury. It's great if you get that amazing interception and get after the quarterback and make a bunch of sacks, but you have to be on every play because if that one you don't hit that what shank into, out of bounds becomes a touchdown for the other team. And I feel like that's sort of, you know, you it's great to make the big play. And uh they've made some for sure on defense. I think they're better than they were last year, but you can't give up those big plays too. And it's sort of like you need to, you know, have some sort of balance where it's not just, uh, you know, feast or famine, where it's like, Oh, big play, big, play Oh crap. Give up a big play. You know? And I, I feel like that's what we've been seeing a lot from this USC
3: defense. Mm -hmm. And the first Arizona state touchdown when Alex Grinch blitzes, and even Kalen Bullock comes up too far as the free safety, that was USC expecting a pass and going for a sack or a turnover, a big play. When if you just get off the field there and, let him kick a field goal. You're, you're still winning seven to three. You overcome a turnover in your own red zone by only letting up three points. The second ASU recovered that fumble, you could put pretty much give them three points. So the worst case scenario was the touchdown. And then what do you do? You be way too aggressive on that third down. Kenny Dillingham outsmarts you go for the big play. It doesn't work. They score a touchdown. It's worst case scenario.
2: Yeah. Um, Blackie Chan brought up uh, Drew Pine did play against USC last year. Uh, yeah, so that's part of like the stars align thing. He played for Notre Dame, obviously, they had a better run game, better defense, better offensive line, and all that. But the week before, ASU had to play like four quarterbacks, like everyone was hurt, and like, and Lincoln Riley mentioned this. Like Drew Pine was going to be the guy. He prepared all week to be the guy. That's just he's already have confidence playing USC last year. Like there's a, a bunch of things that sort of lined up to let him do well. Arizona State, you know, they're kind of screwed. He the guy that he was preparing, and he's out now. So. Um, you know, they've had a bunch of injury situations. that sort of like came together where they were fairly healthy for one game and it was against USC. So I, that's why I'm not saying you shouldn't be concerned at all. Um, I usually say that don't be concerned. This is you don't control the stuff, but if you are like worried that USC is going to give up, you know, the defense really isn't as good as you were hoping I could see, you know, there's reasons, there's some reasons to be concerned, but there's also more realistic reasons too, to be like, all right, like this isn't going to happen every week. Um, you know they're going to play way better offenses. I think you can take more away from playing. You know when you play, you know maybe even in Arizona's offense, we'll see. Like they they can be up and down, but the teams on the schedule that are ranked, you know, if they play and win at Notre Dame. I don't really care how many points they give up. You just want to get the win, you know, and I feel like you can be more judgy or whatever if you want with some of those better teams. This, this was a weird one, the first road game and all that kind of stuff.
3: I look at it a little bit differently. I think against those ranked teams, like you said, it's, it's win at all costs, but I don't really care about style points. As long as you beat those really good ranked teams, I care a little bit more about style points against an Arizona state against maybe even a Colorado, how it looks, I think is, Important, obviously, it's how it looks is always important, but how it looks against those not as talented teams can reveal a little bit. And then when you go against those bigger teams, okay, if USC is winning some games, maybe then closer than they should have, we can say, okay, I, you know, I don't know how they're going to do against these bigger teams. And then we're probably going to be right if they're not winning by the margin they should, then they go on to lose. So, style points early, I think you can take stuff away from.
2: For sure. Um, I would go the on the offensive side of the ball, we had a comment, uh, Marshawn is going to show out. And he did yes, look he is. amazing. Um, Lincoln Riley was asked, I know people get, why don't you ask him about to run the ball more? Well Lincoln Riley was asked about that. And he sort of was like, ah, you know, we ran him hard. We ran him enough. And then by the end of his answer was kind of like, we, we could have run him more. And uh I, I feel like sometimes you're kind of doing things for a reason as opposed to like, oh, we want to like Run this play like USC pretty much comes out and throws the ball a bunch of times, uh, usually to start a game. And then they kind of get into the run game a little bit later. But what are your thoughts on sort of like the run game and if they're going to run Marshawn Lloyd and, and Austin Jones a little bit more in this one?
3: I hope they do. Colorado gives up 206 rushing yards a game, which is 10th worst in the nation. Shout out to Muscle 031 on the peristyle for that statistic. He started a thread. So Marshawn Lloyd, he's averaging, I think, like nine yards a carry. He averaged 11 against Arizona State. This, in theory, is one of the worst defenses you're going to play the rest of the season against the run. So he should be let loose a little bit more. I do think that Lincoln Riley has learned a little bit of a lesson this year about running – more, I because Marshawn Lloyd's so good, and every time they have run, good things have happened. You never want to take the ball out of your Heisman Trophy winner's hands. I get that. And Lincoln Riley, he, he trusts his quarterback as much as a coach can trust a quarterback. It's an infinite amount of the trust that he has in his QB. So I get it. He wants to let Caleb drop back as much as he can. Totally fine. Caleb is one of the best quarterbacks of all time. I get it, I get it, I get it. But I think USC is, better, is a better running team than a lot of people thought to begin the season. Marshawn Lloyd is better than a lot of people thought, I think, as well. And against Colorado, a team that isn't very good against the run, you got to rush this guy who has been incredible. He just keeps getting better every week, Marshawn Lloyd. He's one of the two players, him and Caleb Williams, who have been on the top six for PFF grades every week. He, he is incredible, and I think he has a big game. He's the easy pick for the MVP against Colorado, I think.
2: Yeah, I think you got to run him a little bit more, um, and we'll see. But I, I, I think in general – you know, Lincoln Riley wasn't very happy with uh, the offense. They had a touchdown called back because of, uh, you know, bl- Taj Washington was blocking before the play. Um, you know, the fourth down down there in the red zone where it was, a, you know, just miscommunication looked like or just something was off with Michael Jackson. They didn't get that one done. They just left some, I think they left a bunch of points out there. And, of course, the, the fumbled exchange between Caleb Williams and Marshawn Lloyd that led to Arizona State's first points. Um, yeah, I, I don't. Anticipate that's going to be the case in Colorado. Now the, the atmosphere is going to be a lot, I think, is tough or tougher than what uh, we saw in Tempe. But that was a good crowd. You know, they were there was sold out. Uh, there's going to be people excited for this one. Now it's nine in the morning, so maybe there are not as many uh, drunk people as you get uh, for a 7:30 game in uh, in the in, in the desert. But yeah, that, I think this is going to be a tough environment. So I'm curious to see just sort of how this team looks pre-snap because that just seemed to me to be the biggest problem. Like they were getting to the line and it didn't seem like they were sure. And I would much rather just see them, Hey, what, run, whatever play was called. And it's like, it's on three, you know, when I clap, whatever it is, snap the ball and just run, run the play. Um, Especially against a bad defense. Like, don't worry about like, I got to get into the perfect play. If you were going to hand it off to Marshawn Lloyd and there's an extra linebacker in the box that you didn't expect, still hand it off to him. It just meant, you know, like, Oh, maybe the percentage plays to do this, but it was You were losing percentage points by not being able to switch cleanly, you know. So I want to see pre-snap, how clean does this offense look? Does it, everyone look like they're on the same page? Is the play coming in fast? Because we saw this pretty much against Oregon State. Like, the pre-snap stuff was bad, uh, and they had a better defense. So even if you get into the play, it was going to be hard. I feel like in this, just get into, once they got into the play against Arizona State, things worked. Just get into the play against Colorado. Don't screw yourself up with getting false starts and having to call timeouts and all that stuff. Like, all that stuff we saw last weekend. Gerard
3: wrote in his takeaways, I thought it was really smart, you want to balance getting the perfect play with getting a good play in time. Because if you are taking too long, like you said, Ryan, the penalties could lead to a false start, could lead to a delayed game. Both things we saw happen against Arizona State, trying to find that perfect play isn't always the best case scenario for a team, especially on the road when it might be a little louder than I think USC expected. You're so talented on offense, to your point, if you just run any play, there's a really good chance it's going to work out unless, you know, the defense is obviously doing something that you need to check out of. But I think they were getting a little bit too cute against Arizona State. They didn't necessarily need to check out from a lot of those plays because the talent gap is just so wide. If you just do what you do against Arizona state, the the announcers of the game on Fox up saying USC wouldn't trade anyone on their team for someone on ASU. If you're that much better than the other team, just do what you do. It's probably going to work.
2: Yeah. Was it the paralysis by analysis sort of thing where you're talking like at some point you can make as many, you know, do you want to have a meeting to plan what you're going to do in the meeting? Do you want to plan? Like (laughs) how much planning do you need to do? Sometimes you just got to do it, just execute. And And do it. And I felt like there was just so much sort of like pre-gate, like pre-snap planning, like figure this out, figure that out. Like just freaking run the play, and you're probably gonna be all right. And what was so crazy on the first drive, it's third and
3: twenty. And I was like, okay, they probably won't pick this up. And then they do, and they go on to score a touchdown. (laughs) That was about as bad of a start as you can possibly have. ASU, the place is rocking. Not one penalty, but two, third and twenty. You're in your own red zone, and what happens? Zachariah Branch catches a big play. They can overcome some of these mistakes against better teams, though. I don't think you want to be putting yourself in those holes. Exactly. That's obvious.
2: Yeah, and Her- Herman pointed out that the offense wasn't in sync in at in Arizona State and scored 42. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, like that's that was a bad offensive day. Like just so just think about like Clay Helton days and that that kind of stuff. Like what a bad offensive day would look like. You know, no, that's that's talking like four or five turnovers and. And all that. This was a sloppy day, you know, not Caleb Williams' best. He had five touchdowns. So I mean that's sort of just like, yeah, what are you gonna do? Um, all right. Anything else sort of uh on that one before we kind of move on or we got my any other my,
3: my biggest takeaways were I, I think to the defensive line, it looks like you have those rotations locked in. In the secondary, it looks like Christian roland Wallace is starting to play a little bit. We even saw Jacoby Covington. It looks like those rotations are are pretty set. I would like to see more Zion Branch. Maybe he that injury he suffered as a freshman, he's back now, but maybe it's like a two-year thing where he's going to be a lot better next year and you just need more time. So ideally, I'd like to see another safety get into the mix with Max Williams and Bryson Shaw. I just think your linebacker rotations are still up in the air. It looks like the staff really likes Gentry, Cobb, and Tackett-Curtis when they're all available. The two games where they've all been available: San Jose State, Arizona State. We've seen a couple of mistakes. I just wonder down the line if we're going to see some change at the linebacker spots because it looks like you have your rotation set up everywhere else.
2: Yeah, that's uh, we get. I think we're going to get some linebacker questions and stuff too. So we'll probably get to that in a bit. Uh, quickly looking ahead to uh, to Colorado, um, it's sort of been when you know some of the pregame talk going into this Oregon game when Colorado was undefeated and ranked. Uh, you know, Oregon a top 10 team. There seemed to be a lot of barbs and stuff flying around. Lincoln Riley yesterday was very complimentary of Deion Sanders, says he hasn't met yet, but looking forward to it. You know, what you know, how he's been good for the game and all that kind of stuff. And it sounds like from what I've heard from Deion Sanders, too, very complimentary of what Lincoln Riley and USC have been doing. So I, I think both coaches or both programs, and not that USC was getting involved in this kind of stuff anyway. That's not really their style. That's not Lincoln Riley's style. But sort of like getting into this of uh, just there wasn't going to be any bulletin board material like I think we saw uh, in the Oregon-Colorado game.
3: I, what what did the buildup to that game look like? Because didn't Dan Lanning not do much? And then once they put their foot on the gas, the pregame hype speech that he gave starts to leak out. And like I feel like they didn't do a lot of talking. And then after the game, they did a ton of talking. So I think USC, they were never going to do any talking if anyone did talk like that, talk trash. Lincoln Riley would not be happy. It's not how no. they operate over there. And I think the difference between the USC and Oregon, if USC does go out and perform really well and, and get a big win, you won't see any of that talk afterwards. So I, I think we can learn a lot about what happens after. As for Oregon, Ryan, you mentioned the mess that they were talking, or excuse me, Colorado, the mess that they were talking before the Oregon game. I think they probably learned their lesson. Maybe being at yes. home, they might talk a little bit of trash, but I, I don't anticipate, like, they were humbled. I, I, you know, I, I think they're going to learn from from all that trash they talked because you could argue USC is better than Oregon and USC maybe will have a similar performance.
2: Yeah. Oregon had like this. They, I think it was like a six minute video almost that they produced from the win. Um, But they had their own camera crew. You know, Deion Sanders has got like three different shows following around, like so many cameras, everything. That'll be kind of a fun spectacle to see when we go to Boulder. But Oregon kind of did their own thing, like put a bunch of production value into it. Like they had cameras on the field pregame and like Shiloh Sanders goes over and starts talking trash about how they're going to beat everybody. I mean, it was some, I forget exactly what he said, but it was, it was not complimentary towards Oregon. We're going to kick your ass kind of stuff. And this was to the Oregon camera. So then they get to play that in their video after the game. Like this is what Colorado was saying. And here's what we did to them. Uh, You know, it's 13 nothing in the first half and Oregon's deep in their own territory and uh, runs a fake punt, you know, and like they were they were coming out swinging the entire time like this was like try to score a touchdown every single play. And uh, that's really what the Ducks were focused on. And it just, you know, Colorado wasn't ready for it. And, uh, man, it just snowballed and stuff. But
3: A lot of our listeners don't like Oregon and Dan Lanning. I get it. But you have to admit from a recruiting standpoint, they played that perfectly. They knew all the eyes were going to be on them. They routed Colorado. All the hype video, everything was in place. Yeah, love or hate Oregon. They, they really did a good job with that, I thought. When they had the spotlight on them, they performed really well. And if you're a high school kid, you're watching that. How can you not be in, at least interested if Oregon's interested in you?
2: Yeah all right uh well why don't we do this let's take a uh quick break we will have a preview show for us more details about usc and colorado thursday night tunnel vision i think it'll be me connor and jack if i'm not mistaken so that will go up in podcast form as well if you're listening to the podcast or if you're on our youtube channel that will be live there live on facebook live on twitter as well so more preview And we'll have a whole bunch more preview stuff going up on uscfootball.com. Like I do my five questions uh, in exchange, which are always a a, a fun feature where we'll ask the publisher of the opposing site some questions about their team. So Adam Munster-Tiger does a great job covering Colorado. So I'm exchanging questions with him and we'll get into more details of all that kind of stuff What's going on in the site. Uh, So make sure you go check that out. But we're going to take a quick break and we will come back and uh, start answering your questions back in a minute.
1: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love,
2: All righty, we're back here on the Peristyle podcast talking USC football, of course. Um, That's what we do. Connor, you're liking talking USC football, huh?
3: Loving it. Good. I, I love doing these podcasts.
2: And that, that's, I mean, it's one of the, I think one of the appealing things when we brought Connor over, who had only been covering the team, you know, for since the beginning of January. Uh, just the, the ability to do these shows. So we're, hopefully you guys are enjoying them. They're a lot of fun to do. We try to give you a variety of guests and uh, information and formats where some are just audio only, some are video, some are live, some take voicemails, some have live calls, all that kind of fun stuff. So we try to give you a variety. So if you don't like me, then listen to one of the shows that I'm not on. Or if you don't like Connor, listen to one of the shows he's not on. Uh, we get there stuff like that. So we get, give you like lots of uh, variety, hopefully. And uh, we appreciate everyone coming in. We have a couple hundred people watching live on YouTube. So thank you uh, for uh, doing that. All right. We got a bunch of uh, questions to get to.
4: Three simple words.
2: You've got mail.
4: Woohoo! hoo
2: Woo-hoo. I love it. Um, why don't we go voicemail? And This was one we just got uh, earlier. So I'm going to play this one for you.
5: Hello, Ryan. This is Thomas from Malibu. Just got done listening to Coach Harvey Hyde. And several callers following the Arizona State game. Maybe I'm missing something. Are we 0 4 or 1 or 3? I know I'm getting up in age. Maybe I'm not paying attention and adding the 4 quick enough. But last time I checked, we're 4 0. We got Colorado on Saturday. We got Arizona. And then, really, quite frankly, we got the stretch of the four big games that are going to make or break the season. Coach Hyde, listen. I love listening to you, but let's be clear. Lincoln Riley knows what he's doing. We don't need every second of every day to be second-guessing this guy. For crying out loud, they didn't look good against Arizona State. Lincoln said it. Anyone who watched – Stevie Wonder can watch that game and know USC looked horrible. Jake Olsen. But let's not jump to conclusions after 60 minutes, okay? We were not as great as we thought we were after the Stanford game, and we're certainly not as bad as we think we are after the Arizona State game. So, Coach Hyde and fellow uh, Peristel podcast fans, tap the brakes a little bit. Let's see what happens on Saturday. I have a good feeling that maybe this was a little bit of a wake-up call on Saturday and our Trojans are going to come out on fire on Saturday up at Folsom Field. Anyway, Thomas from Malibu, great show. Thank you for all you do, Ryan. Fight on.
2: Great call, Thomas. And I agree. And thats I think that's what I try to convey on our Sunday night show. It's just like it's not as bad as you feel right now and just like USC beating Stanford wasn't as good as that. Like, you know, Stanford actually almost won the game. It should have beat Arizona when they're playing at home. It's just week to week is going to be a little bit different. And sometimes, like we talk about, like the stars sort of align. So yes, I would I would say pump the brakes a little bit when it comes to the sky is falling and everything's, you know, going to hell in a handbasket.
3: For all the talk about Lincoln Riley's defenses over the year, over the years, the guy's 70 and 13 in his career as a head coach. More often than not, you're winning the games that you should win. Pretty much always, you're going to win the games you should win. Look at last year; you probably should have beaten Tulane, but there was a recipe to beat USC last year: to have a really good offense and their defense kind of kind of tumbled at the end there. But 70 and 13, a lot of coaches are not, are not doing that well, and and just just the wins that this guy's able to have, I, I agree. You got to give him the benefit of the doubt. Questions about the defense for sure. I would be shocked if USC lost against Colorado this week. Someone talked about firing Grinch earlier in a message. I think the only way that's even on the table a little bit is if USC loses to Colorado. I do not anticipate that happening.
2: Yeah. And I definitely, I mean, I think once what I harped for years before you were here, Connor, about just hire people that are good at their jobs, get a good athletic director. You know why? Cause they're good at their job and let them do it instead of, well, they hired like Lynn Swan and now you have to like question everything they do because most of the decisions were wrong and it turned out that they were wrong. Uh, we said they were wrong when they made the decisions and they turned out to be wrong. When you hire someone that's good at their job, they're not always going to do everything that you think is right. you know like we were critical before of like, Jay, just run the play, you know and there was a reason I'm sure behind it. Now we'll see maybe Lincoln Ri is gonna like, you know what we could have just run the play. It would have been better than trying to figure this out with the crowd noise and our communication didn't seem to be right and stuff like that. I mean, nitpicky stuff, but at the end of the day, you're like, He's forgot more about football than I ever know. I, I'm i defaulting to this really smart guy who's good at coaching football because he's proven it, like you said. I mean, I, you, know, you don't get a winning percentage like that not knowing what you're doing. So it's fine. Like, we're here to, like, talk about everything. We're not just going to paint a rosy picture of it. We're going to be critical of things like we always are. We're just going to be critical less when you have someone that's really good at doing their job, doing their job. And Lincoln Riley is – Certainly, doing that,
3: and I think part of the criticisms too are that we have really high expectations for the team, and this should be a team that's held to the college football playoff standard. So when defensively they're making some mistakes, it's not like oh this team's terrible. That you know what an embarrassment. It, it's it's we're trying. You know this team has a real chance to do something special, and we're holding them to a high standard.
2: Yeah, uh, let's go to a couple questions from Chase. Uh, he says, I feel the defense plays much better with Rajon Davis and Shane Lee rather than Mason Cobb and Tackett Curtis. Do you agree?
3: Well, I, I think the sample size is too small. We, we saw a lot of Rajon and Shane Lee in the Nevada game when Tackett Curtis got ejected and you didn't have a couple of the other linebackers and, and they look great. And then Rajon and Tackett started against Stanford and, and they look good. I, I think why people are so up in arms and frustrated is Rajon Davis in the little cameos that he's gotten throughout the— the years looking back to last season against Tulane, he was one of the bright spots on the defense in like the six snaps he played, he played six snaps against San Jose state. I think that was two series where the Spartans punted on both of them, two, three and outs in the two games he started, he's done well. So people are like, okay, if the linebacking core isn't doing as well as we would hope, could we at least try Ray Davis for a little bit and just see how it goes against a good opponent, give him a good run, and so just to answer the question, I, I, the sample size is too small. I, I, don't, I don't think we, we know if, if Lee and Davis are, are the best because they've pl- they played against a, an opponent that's not so talented. I, I, I think Shane Lee, I, I wouldn't really get too wrapped up in him playing a lot at linebacker this year. But I, I do think Rajon Davis has a chance, and I, I don't know really what it's going to take for him to play a little bit. I was surprised he didn't play against Arizona State. I think there is a chance that he's part of your best duo but I don't know if he'll get that opportunity just with the way the coaching staff has played it so far.
2: I agree. And one uh, we had a voicemail about this, too, so let me play it for you.
4: Hey, Parastel Podcast. This is uh, Anthony. Um, probably with my Twitter handle, Anthony in LA You guys see me a lot, and uh, I apologize if I'm too active on Twitter with your guys' accounts. But I okay. um, just want to get your take on, obviously, a lot of Trojans fans were disappointed with this last game and the use or lack of use of certain players. Rajon. Keon bars, but just want to see, you know, we go to the portal to, like for bars specifically, to plug in players at deficits in our team, like run defense. And he had nine snaps, so um, just want to see what you guys had your thoughts on that. Thanks so much, you fight on. Do
3: you want me to start, Ryan? Yeah, go ahead. I-, I think with Keon bars, I'm really not sure what's going on with him, because he was one of the best players against Stanford on the defense. And then two weeks later, he doesn't play a lot. So there must have been some matchup thing that they uh, they didn't like. Excuse me. He had a tweet after the game. He was frustrated. It sounded like, I don't know if that's the best way to get back onto the field if you're Keon Bars. Coach Grinch talked about how there is a chance where he'll, he'll, you know, he's part of the rotation. He'll get back in. I, I have no idea why he's not playing more. For the linebackers, I think... Going into the year, the coaching staff thought, Cobb, Tackett Curtis, and Eric Gentry, those are our three. That's what we're going to go with. They wanted to get Cobb more run as they head into the stretch run because he had been banged up. So he plays the most snaps out of anyone on the defense against ASU. And is just out there a lot to get some of the rust off because he's part of their plans in the future. And nothing that they've said or that they've done really leads me to believe that they feel any differently about the linebackers I still expect those three guys to play the majority of downs in the future Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch they can talk about playing Rajon Davis but until they do it I will just take what they say with a grain of salt because actions obviously speak louder than words nothing that I've seen or heard leads me to believe that those three guys aren't going to be playing more in the future
2: yeah it's we, we kind of got the same thing from Lincoln Riley yesterday where you have to you know show us some practice and make us you know what was the uh
3: yeah, make like, it obvious,
2: make it obvious in practice. But I mean, production we've seen and games, it seems I, I think fans have a you know legit point. So but we're not there for all the meetings. We don't know. I mean, we're not sure what's going on behind the scenes just from looking at it. It seemed like there were some opportunities for bars to play more and Rajon Davis to play more, especially, you know, Mason Cobb played, I think, 70 something snaps and only had uh, the one tackle. So it wasn't like the production was through the roof. And that's why you didn't get someone else off the field. Not to take shots at anybody, but you're just like, hey, you know that we've seen rotations in other spots. I'm not sure why there wasn't one there. So. Yeah,
3: and, and based on everything I've heard, it's an Alex Grinch decision on the playing time for those linebackers. A lot of people are like, oh, Brian Odom, why doesn't he play more? Why doesn't he play more? I think it's the it's Grinch who gets that final call.
2: Jim wrote in an uh, email: the defense harassed ASU through its pass rush, but struggled mightily against the run. Uh, will there, while there is significantly better depth. Isn't this a warning sign to make more substantive changes to the scheme from Jim?
3: Maybe. I don't think they're going to change the scheme much. No. They can definitely change the personnel, though. So maybe they'll watch the tape after that ASU game. And then key on Barr is, hey, we only played you nine snaps. You probably could have done better against the run. We'll put him in more. Or... You know, maybe at the linebacker spot they decide to make a change, which, like I said earlier, I don't expect to happen. Uh, I, I don't think we'll get a scheme change, but you could definitely get personnel changes.
2: Yeah, I would agree with you there. Kind of along the same lines, uh, Tulsa Trojan texted into the the hotline, and I actually had to send like a hum back, and they were like, "Sorry, wrong number." And I'm like, "No, it was the right number. I just didn't understand what you were saying." But just sort of no context, he just wrote. If your system doesn't allow dudes to be dudes, then your system is a joke. Let the dudes be killers and stop with the exotic fronts. But he was talking about, uh, I followed up, and he's talking about Alex Skridge. He's not happy with the scheme. He wants dudes to be dudes, Connor. He said, holy hell, to start. so yeah.
3: <laughs> a lot of fans complain that it's too difficult, the scheme, and we saw Demani Jackson allow a big coverage bust in the first game against San Jose State, and then... Max Williams and Alex Grinch come out and say the next day, Yeah, we didn't practice that call enough. And, and that's why Damani, he, he was isolated and m- it made the mistake there. So I think there is a little bit something to the defense being really complicated. And that's been one of the big complaints from the peristyle for a couple of years now is that it's too hard. I totally get what that emailer is saying. And if you dumb it down, can you allow some of the guys who are freak athletes on that defense to play better? Maybe. Dumbing it down is probably the wrong word, but you know what I mean? Can you no, be we, a little bit no more what you're basic? Saying, yeah. um, so, yeah, but I just – why would he change? He, ha- he hasn't changed anything in the future – or in the past. I don't anticipate anything from a scheme perspective being changed down the line. I just – going back to what I said earlier, I think it would be personnel.
2: We got one from an email, Steve in Poway. Uh, Ryan, you know where Poway is? San Diego, Powell, right? Yeah, Around very there. good. Nice. Uh, dear Ryan O'Connor, uh, was that a huge, quote, Scataboo I saw lying on the field between a shocked Caleb Williams – And an oblivious Marshawn Lloyd, as I watched the Trojans misfire bobble and fumble, I couldn't help wondering if it was due to uh, A, having a, uh, a week off early in the season, so early bye week, B, facing a dearth of serious competition through the first three games, C, playing their first road game at a pretty pumped up ASU Stadium, or D, serious execution issues that are like cracks in the the Titan submersible just before it completely imploded in the North Atlantic. Your thoughts on these and PS, no matter uh, where they were ranked on Saturday, USC did not play like a top 10 team this week. So no one should be shocked or upset uh, if USC drops in the rankings, which it did fight on a win from Steve and Poway. I
3: don't know if I got all those multiple choice answers but I think part of it was execution I think Scadaboo is better than I thought too I was looking at some he's really good I was looking at some of his advanced numbers even going back to Sacramento State I tweeted about Marshawn Lloyd breaking tackles Scadaboo breaks tackles at a higher rate than Marshawn Lloyd and last year he was at Sacramento State this year Arizona State he, he didn't he hasn't had a great running performance because there's literally nothing around him in those earlier games ASU had some more guys back against USC which contributed to him running better of course but I I think he's more talented than we thought some of the execution wasn't there Eric Gentry said yesterday that he took a bad angle on that fourth quarter touchdown that Scadaboo had and that contributed to the missed tackle Max Williams I just think that was a big mistake after that we didn't get a chance to talk with him yesterday so I'd say it's a combination of Scadaboo being better than I thought and then your execution just not being good enough
2: yeah I think the execution um, issues like that, you know, the first road game too. I think that was that had some kind of impact. There was a lot of things I feel like that had impacts on this game. But um, you know, Scadaboo looked like a real dude. But you know, as a defense, you just don't want to let guys look like real dudes. You know, we've we've seen good tight ends not look really good against USC. And to, to USC's credit, um, they made a good running back who you know made the tr- switch from uh, FCS to FBS look like a stud FBS running back, you know, throwing the ball, running the ball, catching the ball. You don't want to do that. Exactly.
3: He, he's a, he's a good running back and maybe great. In, in some contexts, Marshawn Lloyd is a great running back, five-star recruit. He's the guy who should be dominating against the lesser opponents. Yeah. And then Scadaboo comes out good running back transferred from Sacramento state. He he kind of looked like a Marshawn Lloyd type. He looked like the five-star recruit, the big time transfer from South Carolina because your defense didn't play good enough. That's a problem.
2: Yeah, I would agree with you there. Uh, let's go. We got an email from Jack in New Jersey. He's like, USC versus Colorado at noon? Really? Uh, just a personal beef. I hate noon games. It's too early in the day. How do you guys manage to watch 9 a.m. on the West Coast? Uh, the 3.30 and 7 o'clock games are the best times. Coach Prime should be on primetime, 7 p.m. for this one. This is like his third 9 a.m. game, by the way, for for Colorado. Well, that window is is great. Yeah, it's a great window to, you know, it's just, I wouldn't. A lot know. of people watch. And actually some of the players really like the window, like we talked to yesterday. It's like one of the things about having like a night game is like you get up, you do, you know, you have to do all your stuff and then you're waiting all day for this game to come and you're like planning your meals or you have take a nap or whatever. Uh, I think Riley said too, it's just like, yeah, you get up, like there's a meeting and you go and just it's sort of like one of those things. Um, he says, I know it's uh, all about the Benjamins, but this is going to be the worst part of joining the Big Ten. But, hell, you can't pass up the money, which, of course, is the root of all evil check in New Jersey.
3: I think the worst part about joining the Big Ten will be if USC gets a lot of Friday night games.
2: Yeah, I don't anticipate too much of that, but there will be more earlier games. But I think it will be a nice mix. You know, I think you'll have less of the yeah, super late games. They, they, ha-
3: they have the late windows, too, and USC is one of the top programs – going, so they'll get a lot of night games, too, for sure.
2: Yeah. All right. Um, Let's play a voicemail for you.
4: Yes. uh, Don Oxley from Southern California. USA will not make the playoffs this year, and this is why. They are basically the same team as last year. They have offense but no defense, just different name defensive players who are talented but need to be coached up. Coach Grinch cannot provide that. Therefore, it would be in Coach Riley's best interest to part ways with Coach Grinch and find a defensive coach who teaches effective defensive physical football. The tackling is atrocious. The corners are very weak defenders and tacklers, as evidenced in the Arizona State game. Sorry to be so negative but I'm not a scissor-coder. Defenses wins games.
2: That was a dawn. Um, I mean, even uh, Kyle Whittingham doesn't think defense wins games, even though he just won a 14-7 game with a pick six against UCLA over the weekend. I mean, he said offense is more important now. It is more important. And I think this can be a playoff team. They're a better team than last year. I would disagree with your assessment that it's the same on defense. They have much better players. They were this close to making the playoff with a really terrible defense last year. I think it's a better defense. Tougher schedule. But they can certainly make – I still feel they can make the playoff.
3: The beauty of this season is it's all going to play out in front of us. And if the defense looks like it did last year and just is not as good – then that's a major problem because you upgraded a lot of talent. It's a second year in Grinch's system. And then you can logically say, okay, I think we know what the problem is, even though a lot of fans already think they do know what the problem is. Yeah. It's it's way too quick to write anything off. I After the Stanford game, was guilty of being way too high. And after this Arizona State game, I think I'm probably a little bit guilty of being way too low. Justin it he plays offense, not defense. But he said we could take away a lot more things in a game like that compared to a Stanford game where we're up 49-3 to at halftime. Let's give this USC chance, this USC team a chance to respond. I think they deserve that with all this talent and Lincoln Riley as head coach before we really go to the, some of the depths of uh, despair that that caller was. I, I, I get it. it you, you dealt with a bad defense last year. didn't really look great against Arizona State, but this team, I think we should give them another chance right now. They're 4-0. No, it's all in front of them.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, and that's one of those things that maybe fans don't take into consideration a lot is you can learn a lot from you learn a lot from your adversity. And if it's an L, like, you know, if you remember the Tim Tebow, his impassioned speech about, you know, we're never going to play like this again, blah, 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 blah. They lost the game. And then they came back and won the rest and won the national championship and everything. But if you can do that after a win, so you don't get an L, you don't get a, a little one in the loss column, and you're able to bounce back from that, I think that's something you can build the team through. So I think that's what Justin Dietrich was kind of talking about, so and you got to hope that they do that. We have some uh, YouTube questions from the chat. I will put up on the screen for you if you're watching on YouTube. Uh D Beta Beta 1 says, saw on Twitter last week, USC will be wearing home cardinal jerseys on the road at Colorado. Ryan, can you confirm? I know Colorado is doing a whiteout, so i was unsure if that meant the team was wearing white also. Um both Connor and I have no clue. <laughs> uh we're not uniform people i'm definitely not when people ask me like what color socks they're going to wear are they changing their shoelaces i have i never know that kind of stuff so i'm sorry that's not something i get into Um, same here okay let's go to tim um i'm sorry someone might have that but i just will not uh do you think Corey foreman will transfer or just get his degree and pursue other things yeah we haven't really seen anything from Corey foreman
3: I mean, I think he can get his degree and transfer. I think he'll do both.
2: Yeah, I think that's a, probably a, the right option there. Um, we'll see. But it just doesn't seem like it's working out there. Uh, let's go to uh, Johnny. He has two points for Saturday. Um, one, will Riley attack Colorado's poor rush defense? And will Grinch allow Colorado's uh, anemic rush offense to gain chunks of yards on SC's defense?
3: Yes to the first thing, and the second thing, we'll see. He'll try not to, of course. That's one of the biggest things. Colorado has not been a very good running team on either side of the ball, defending it and rushing the ball when they have it. So if they're moving it on USC, I think you have to be concerned with that running back and that offensive line. They haven't been very good. Shadur Sanders, if he beats you a little bit here and there, he's the best quarterback you've played this year. That's okay. Of course, you know, the the USC fans will say, oh, that's that's not okay." But he's a good player. The the running back, while he was a highly rated recruit, they haven't been able to do anything. He's a freshman. Yeah, yeah. if they can do it against you, that's not a good sign.
2: hundred percent. Let's go to Joe. Thanks for all the questions and comments and stuff on YouTube, by the way. That's great. Uh, Joe says, how do we envision the cornerback play to Fair versus Shador Sanders?
3: Great question. It is a great question. Dave, so... Christian Roland wallace has played a lot more these last two games. He, of course, was suspended against Nevada, so you kind of have to throw that out. We don't know how much he would have played if he hadn't have been in that first half. But against Stanford, he played a little bit more than Demani Jackson. Against Arizona State, he played over Sierra Wright. Jacoby Covington has even played a little bit. I do think we'll see all four guys in this game. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Demani Jackson and Christian Roland wallace getting the start against Colorado because Sierra Wright wasn't fantastic against Arizona state. It's really competitive. If he loses his job because Christian Roland Wallace played well and, and Wright Didn't last game. That wouldn't shock me. And overall, I, I think that might be your best duo. I expect them to take some lumps because this Colorado passing attack is really good, but I think that might be your best option. Those two. And I could see him performing pretty well.
2: I love it. Okay. Uh, Blackie Chan. Uh, who do you think will be the impact player on both sides of the ball? We sort of kind of gave the offensive one yeah. away.
3: Do you have anyone outside of Marshawn Lloyd? I mean, Brendan Rice continues to play really well, but I, I look at Marshawn Lloyd for sure for me on offense.
2: It's tough, yeah. Marshawn Lloyd, um, I think he's going to run the ball very effectively. Um, I do like Brendan Rice in this one. I mean, it's his second week in a row homecoming. And no Travis Hunter. Yeah, no Travis Hunter to try to slow him down. But the, the problem is any, any kind of receiver could go off on any given night. So I think it makes it a little a little tougher to do that, but I feel like, you know, he was catching the occasional touchdown uh, in the prior games. This one he was like the featured guy. 7 catches, 133 yards, two touchdowns. Caleb Williams seemed to be looking for him a little bit. Now, this is his old team. Another homecoming, so you know he's kind of going to be my X factor on offense, I think. But Lloyd, I think, is going to have a huge game.
3: One other guy, too. Zachariah Branch took some major hits against Arizona State. If he is 100% healthy and ready to go against Colorado, I think he's the kind of player that absolutely kills the Buffaloes. We saw Oregon and Bo Nix. Bo Nix was like 20 of 20 on passes that were either 5 or 10 yards or or less. And USC's bread and butter is getting the ball on those short passes to – Those slot receivers, of course, Caleb Williams can throw the ball down the field too, but USC, what do they do such a good job of? It's those short passes, getting guys into space. This this game for me, screams Zachariah Branch having a big game too. On defense, I, I feel like if it's an MVP performance on defense, unless a secondary member gets a couple of Picks or or something. It's really tough for someone in the secondary to win that MVP overall. So I I guess I'll I'll just keep rocking with Solomon Bird, who's looked great to begin the year. It's tough to slow him down right now.
2: I like Solomon Bird, but I'm going to go Jameel Mohammed. I think he's leading the nation in like tackles for loss or something. Is that? I
3: think Bird has more tackles for loss, or
2: does Bird have it? Oh, maybe Bird's got it. Okay, Um, but they're both like they're they're disruptive. I think there's going to be sacks to be had. In this one, Arizona State turned the ball over eight times when they had all those different uh, quarterbacks playing and all the guys injured. And USC didn't – you know, you thought there would be some turnovers to be had, but they got after the quarterback. I feel like that's something that's more consistent you can do, and I think USC's going to get after Shador, who's been sacked a lot. There's, I think, 22 or 23 times this year. Um, so he's been sacked a lot, and I think USC's going to get some sacks. So I, w- I would look at one of those rush end players uh, to get the MVP – uh, Oscar is up next. Uh, we got a couple more, and we'll let you guys go. Um, shouldn't we establish the run before we start throwing the ball in the beginning of the game? Make them prove to us they can stop the run.
3: I think establishing the run is a little bit overrated. USC—they're so good. They Old can school. Do, they can do both. I don't. I don't know. Like I, I think just by kicking off in that game. They've established the run in the past. That's how good the offense is. I don't think they need to go out of their way to establish anything.
2: Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where you're like, well, do you want the best player in the country to take care of the, you know, distribute the ball a little bit before when you get things rolling? I mean, who's going to say, no, I don't, I don't want Caleb Williams, like throwing the ball around a little bit to start and get every, you know, get a feel. It seems like that's sort of him getting a feel for the game. Um, it might be a little like dump off to like you start with like Zachariah Branch, a little dump off and let him, you know, take off and run. It seems like Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, they like him making a decision or two just right away. Uh, you know, some quarterbacks talk about like the game doesn't really start till I get hit. I've, I'm not a big soccer guy, but I saw on Twitter like someone retweeted uh, Maradona that was like when he was doing this warm up, like the stuff he was doing is just this crazy nonchalant stuff with the ball and his feet and his head and everything. I mean, it was just. It's sort of like how he got into these games. And it seems like for USC and Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley, you just let Caleb make a few choices to start and uh and boom and you get things going. So I know the old school way is like hand it off, establish the run. It seems like for USC it's more like let Caleb like do a couple things and then he's like into the game.
3: Colorado also does not get pressure at the rate needed to upset a Caleb Williams. Like against Arizona State, he was under pressure a little bit more than usual. On Colorado, there's only one player that has two or more sacks, and he has two, Jordan Dominic. Everyone else is under two. The, the next is 1.5, and then a bunch of guys have one. They do not generate the pressure needed to really bother Caleb Williams. So while everyone, including us, are talking about how, well, is going to run the ball, Caleb Williams is going to have time. And when he has time, bad things happen, as we all know.
2: For, for sure. The, for the defense. Yeah. Uh, we got one last one from uh, Eric. Let me pull this up. Uh, question. What's the deal about Lincoln commenting on Dennis Lynch's speech following his announcement of being put on scholarship? Was there some people that were like, Dave, David
3: David uh, David Woods like David was Woods
2: was making a joke. Maybe did people take that wrong? It was that, that was literally a joke. He he <laughs> loves trolling. Um, no, it was hilarious. And like I think he just called him
3: quirky and said this. He doesn't really remember the speech because it didn't really make sense. And that's like who Dennis is. I
5: he I is don't quirky. Think he's he's taking, a quirky guy. Yeah,
3: I don't think he's taking a shot. Lincoln Riley would never take a shot at one of his players. I, I don't even think it made Dennis Lynch look that bad. He's just kind of a different type of cat, and Lincoln Riley said that.
2: Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't to look bad at all. It was. It, it was funny because sometimes you ask a question and he's like, "I'm not going to answer that," or he's not going to say, "I'm not going to answer," but he said something to like, "I'm not to the effect of, I won't be answering that," or if it was a private conversation, they might say, "That was between us. We're not going to do it." He literally, like, the funny part was he, he's looking around, and literally like don't take this the wrong way. Like I I couldn't describe it. Like if you're asking me this question, I couldn't describe what his speech was because it was sort of all over the place. And then it ended with, I think, you know, thank you, whatever. And he was, I think he was just being genuine that it was just this funny, Dennis was just being Dennis and that's just the way he is. So yeah, I wouldn't, um, that's just, you probably saw David Woods' tweet just like uh, talking a little mess.
3: Or if you watched it and have a problem with it, Coach isn't Coach R- Lincoln Riley's not the problem. You are the problem. You have a problem with, with yeah, what he said. I, was, out of um, everything he's ever said, we're we're getting upset about him describing the kicker speech after he gets put on scholarship. That's so low down on the
2: list. It was funny. I haven't seen. Did they put a video out of that or anything? Or no, maybe, which maybe not. That,
3: and that was kind of like usually you do. I, I was surprised. Or even forget the speech. Just like. Yeah, like celebration. Dennis is on scholarship. I haven't seen anything like that. I was very surprised by that.
2: Yeah, when he nailed that fifty-three yarder. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. We had one uh, little comment. I just want to address uh, uh, Mark. It looks like or um, love y'all, but why this awful time to go live? LOL. <laughs> Whole West Coast is at work. Well, one, you're here, so <laughs> thank you. Do you not work? We're working too. Um, so we have, so for the podcast, we, we do our tunnel vision shows at, in the evening when we are trying to, that's really what we're focusing on a live audience. The, the podcasts are like, we have to do them when we can do them. And like, um, you know, practice is coming up a little bit. So we try to get it. We'll do it before practice goes. Um, the reason, you know, it's just the live aspect is just, if you're around and we also record it so you can watch it later on YouTube. So the goal of this is, this is a podcast that we just do live also, um, but our live video shows that we put live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, like the point is trying to get live people on. Um, we do put that on the podcast, but that's more of a secondary thing. So sorry about the timing and everything, but that's sort of like just how we do these and how we can fit stuff in. But Thursday night, we do a live show, 7 p.m., Sunday night, live show, 7 p.m. on YouTube, Facebook, and uh, Twitter, or X, or whatever you want to call it now. So
3: <laughs> Yeah, and um, this podcast too, like it's great that everyone can join us live, but- it's nice that it goes up right on Spotify and then it's there like Wednesday in the afternoon. And then you got Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and whenever the game is Saturday, because we kind of, it's right in the middle. So we look back and we also look ahead. It, it's good to get as many days of, of this show, a shelf life for it as possible. So yeah. I, I like doing it Wednesday.
2: Get a few, a day, few days soak, you know, as they say in the deadliest catch when they're like putting the, <laughs> do you ever watch Deadliest Catch? Or? A little bit. Yeah. I used to love that show. Well, that just, makes sense. It kept going for a while. Yeah. I always wonder, I'm like, could I do that? Like I don't get seasick. Like I'm in boats a lot, but man, that's like a lot of days at sea. Like hitting ice with a sledgehammer and stuff sounds a little rough, but I think I'm a pretty tough, dude. I think I could do that stuff. But man, that definitely look, really looks tough. <laughs> I, I think you could do it. Yeah, we'll see. Whatever. Uh, all right. Well, that's gonna wrap things up. Um, thanks so much for everyone that joined us live, uh, even if you're got to be at work or you're just watching on the sly instead of pulling up your you know solitaire game or whatever you do all day at work we appreciate that Uh, chris always talks about where are you guys doing yeah we had like 250 people watching live so enough people didn't work or took a break from work so we appreciate you all doing that if you're watching it on replay that's amazing if you're listening on any of the podcasting platforms all that's amazing we appreciate a lot uh real quick before we go i had to a funny, um, I'm on, this is going to be my 30th, uh, reunion from graduating my undergrad at USC, uh, 1993. I got my bachelor's in electrical engineering. Then 95, I did my master's and I'm on the committee and they had a meeting last night in Heritage Hall. So I'm like in Heritage Hall, <laughs> they give like a, um, a, a tour of like the, the McKay center and stuff. And, uh, one of the, the tour guide had to like go somewhere else. So I was like kind of continuing the tour myself a little bit, but it was funny. But I had people coming up to me and like, wait, are you Ryan Abraham? I'm like, yeah, They're like, and two of my classmates were there that I was with and they were just like, uh, what? Like, and like, oh yeah. Like people know who I am. So it was just kind of funny that it was like, that I'm people kind were, of a big deal. People were like taking pictures with me and stuff on the tour or whatever. It was, it was pretty funny. I was just like, uh, yeah. If you're, uh, if it's a reunion weekend for you, come on out. Um, it's the Washington game. So that should be a lot of fun. Uh, big, there's a lot of events and stuff going on there. So, uh, you can hit me up podcast at us If you want more information about that. Yeah. They had the, the half century Trojans. So the, the guys from 1973, um, so 50 years, uh, those guys. So it was pretty cool. They had a, they had a decent little group that was there last night. So, um, yeah, a lot of people. It was cool to see some, some faces out there yesterday, but All right, anyway, that's going to wrap things up uh, for Triple Double, Connor Morissette. Uh, I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show and we will talk to you next time. All right, we have
3: 30 seconds.
2: Great, let's mention the cool new products at your neighborhood Trader Joe's.
3: We don't have enough time for
0: all those. Or we could talk about the crew. We love the crew. That We could have customers tell us about their new Trader Joe's recipes. Did I mention we have 30 seconds? See, this is why we have a podcast called Inside Trader Joe's, so that we have time to talk about all of those things.
3: 30 seconds is up.
0: Inside Trader Joe's is available wherever you listen
1: to podcasts, like this one. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com.